Welcome back, everybody. It's your co-host, Kenny Buller, here on the Second Floor Podcast. I'm here to introduce to you our guest of the day, who will be sitting across the table with Omid Kaderi. Justin Wiesinger is your guest today, who has recently published the book called The Childlike Heist. The Childlike Heist is a book about finding your inner like child and tapping into it in your adult life. This book has actually hit number two on the international Christian chart on Amazon.ca. As mentioned by another author himself, his name happens to be Jared and Gaza. And Jared and Gaza has said, this book is a captivating journey of adventure, compassion, and fearless love. It's a call to liberate your imagination and embrace your childlike wonder for a happier, more fulfilled adulthood. If you want to learn more of Justin's journey, go to www.thechildlikeheist.com and check out his audiobook and free e-course to help you recapture childlike wonder in your own life. On the side, when Justin is not writing books on childlike wonder, he actually runs his own digital cinema company. Justin actually also, fun fact, is the only filmmaker and author to have an office inside the pirate ship in West Edmonton Mall, one of North America's largest malls. Without further ado, let's get Omid right on the scene to interview Justin Wiesinger. Welcome everybody to the second floor. Uh, we have a special guest today, Mr. Justin Wiesinger. Thanks, man, for coming, man. Yeah, it's I appreciate a being it. Here. We on this show we learn how to survive, how to thrive, and keep the good vibes in life and business. And a lot of people don't know this, Justin, but me and you have ha- have had a relationship for like a friendship going way back since kind of almost like high school. Yeah. Um, both of us kind of grew up in St. Albert's. And uh, you have done a lot of things in the last like five to ten years. You've been you're a filmmaker, you're an author now. You speak, you do a lot of things, um, kind of side hustling, kind of doing a lot of creative projects. And me being as a, a creative as well, and kind of uh, me getting started under you. I remember when I kind of got interested in filmmaking and kind of the creative route while I was in university, mm-hmm. um, you took me under your wing a little bit and uh, and kind of showed me the ropes, helped like help me kind of get get my feet wet, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 been it's been sweet. So I want to kind of take it back um, before we kind of get into uh, the childlike heist, kind of what you're doing now. Yeah. I kind of want to take it back to those days when uh kind of the high school days and kind of closer to kind of university when you yeah. um almost uh, kind of kick-started your creative and maybe even back if you if it goes sure. way back before that so maybe speak on that a little bit yeah absolutely man yeah no um so yeah high school was a really amazing time for me and we went to Belrose together and yeah. you're a grade behind me and yeah. we had uh we had drama class together, and yeah. I don't know if you worked on that one project, the pale blue dot, like that. Oh man, with Brady and the and that like oh yes, I Mexican did. guy and stuff. I, I did. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. I was going through my vault of like childhood trinkets and memories, and I found this DVD and stuff, and I'm like. And I found a link to my old, like, Dayspring production YouTube account from, like, 12 oh, years ago. Wow. And I'm like, how did I get, like, several thousand views on this video? But yeah. I found that video. So, backstory is, me and Omid and some friends um, had a final project, and we had to shoot this short film for our Drama 30 project or Drama 20 project. And um, I wanted to go all out. I was kind of having a kerfuffle with one of my friends, Scott, who was just kind of... We were just on each other's throats and stuff and it was about girls and whatever but I wanted to like he he tried to steal all the best talent from our drama class to like so he kind of gave us the leftovers of like people that and I'm like no like these guys are awesome it's gonna we're gonna make this work it's gonna be amazing but we had like a a guy that was a Spanish like immigrant from the states who like didn't speak very good English (laughs) and stuff and yeah this kind of rat pack of a team and I'm like no, we were going to kick this project's butt. Yeah. So we, we shot this, like, super dark and edgy, like, kind of, like, Saw meets, like, 
thriller kind of thing yeah. and uh we shot in like the photo studio in the uh in the in the school so there was the dark room lab area there's all this like we used the lighting from the photo lab yeah and we just kind of took over the creative wing of the school we shot in the boiler room we had like fake blood we had guns <laughs> you we know, had i actually don't even remember half of this stuff i don't yeah. even remember but i remember start like being a part of that project totally yeah, yeah. so that was kind of the first projects where i just went all in and i'm like man like creativity is where i want to plant myself mm. in my life and I just, you know, I, I, I think we wrote together a little bit. And so we wrote an original script that was like 10, 12 or 15 pages long. Maybe I can send the link in, this, in, the, in the link to the podcast oh, so they man. can watch it. But it's super <laughs> edgy, like old school. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I watched it recently with my girlfriend and I was like, wow, like there's a lot of like depth and a lot of like care that went into this project, even at a young age, being in grade 12. And I just, uh, yeah, I always loved the... I love filmmaking as a kid and love watching movies, watching the special features and stuff. I love being in like choir and stuff at school. So like anything that was like an ability for me to express myself in a powerful way when my voice is loud through either a microphone or through, you know, a video camera, I just wanted to kind of tackle those kind of projects. So in grade 12, I also got to be one of the class historians for school. So I got to put together the, the video. So we shot like a cool like 40 minute video recap of the whole year. So I always had a camera with me in grade 12 shooting stuff, shooting events and everything. And um, yeah, I guess I just kind of knew that like creativity and filmmaking and art was just something that I was just always into. And I kind of found that like being kind of an enthusiast, <laughs> I guess is my personality type. If you if anybody's looked at the Enneagram, it's this cool personality type casting thing. And I'm an enthusiast, which means that like I just love to move from one thing to another and always kind of find my next fix of like, a, you know, an emotional high or, you know, a high of just travel and excitement and always yeah. want to have fun in the things that I'm doing. So I kind of found that like film and music and writing and speaking are kind of like those creative domains where I can express myself in a really powerful way. And it's always it's always going to be shifting and changing. It's not going to be the same project. It's not going to be the same song. It's not going to be, you know, the same talk. It's always going to be shifting and molding. And, you know, I can always challenge myself in a bigger and better way. So I found that like film and music and stuff like that was just a really challenging outlet for me. And I was in a band as well, kind of transitioning from high school, outside of high school into, into university. And uh, we were like starting to play lots of shows and getting some like local recognition we were called Farewell Apollo, and I still like, uh, yeah, just really good times. I remember on Halloween one night, and when I was like 20 or 21, we didn't tell like too many people other than like a few Facebook posts about this Halloween show, but we were headlining it, and we had like fake mustaches and stuff, and we were one of those kind of pop punk, like breakdown kind of bands, so we had all the chugs on the guitar, oh, nice. and the headbangers and the dancers coming out and stuff. But uh, yeah, we just we just kind of tried to copy the greats that we thought, like bands that we thought were really awesome. And we're like, we're just going to do what they do, but just in our own flavor and stuff. So um, yeah, so we had this awesome show and like somehow like 150 kids showed up to this like basement of this church and like packed out this place. Oh, wow. And it was just like crazy. All these local like high school kids heard about us and we're like, how did these kids even hear about us? But yeah. I kind of found like, you know, on those kind of projects and stuff and those kind of ambitions, um, even though the band didn't work out and you know one kid started smoking pot that was in our band and we mm. just kind of didn't drive with that one guy just got bored of playing lead guitar and singing so he didn't want to do it anymore but i wanted to keep doing creative stuff so i found the biggest next challenge for me was to move from playing bass guitar and doing videos and stuff was to you know start my own band or start my own like solo thing so mm. for a couple of years when i was processing a mental health struggle that I was diagnosed with after high school. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And um, I, yeah, I think it's really important when people have kind of a transition in life or like a struggle in life, when they're trying to process pain or process like negativity or just, you know, crazy thoughts or emotions and stuff. And a lot of people deal with anxiety and a lot of people deal with depression and, you know, just struggles, like, you know, having the grind in school and education and that kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of pressure that parents put on kids too, right? So I just kind of felt like I kind of bottlenecked in, in a struggle after high school where I ended up getting hospitalized. And, you know, I had a few friends that just didn't understand the context of what was going on who kind of banded me. And uh, But the friends in that band actually didn't and they, you know, really encouraged me and were really there for me and stuff. But um, it's just so important as a millennial to have an outlet that's healthy, you know, to produce art or, to, you know, to 
you know, work on a car or, you know, do things that are going to produce, you know, that feeling of like rest and that feeling of peace and like fulfillment in our lives. Even when like life might feel like it's spinning a little bit out of control when there's chaos or worry or, you know, like crisis or student loan debt or things kind of going around that don't, you know, really jive with our, our ability to thrive. It's Mm. so important to have an outlet like writing or blogging or podcasting or, you know, doing sports like, you know, volleyball thing that you're into. Um, It's so important to have that outlet. And for me, um, I'm a really intense person. Like I love to like go hard. If I I choose to do something, I'll go at it like 110% until I'm like dying from like exhaustion. Mm. I'll just go for it. So like music and film and things like that. Um, I I guess I kind of transitioned from after the band broke up. um, I started helping other artists do music videos so um, I was like, well, how can I combine my love for music and writing and stuff? And how can I transcend that to like be still doing video? Because those were two things I didn't want to drop. I love doing that. I love like writing ideas for like music videos and stuff and writing scripts. So um, during the time of my struggle, I started to like be vocal about the pain that I went through and like the struggle and the car accident that I was in that almost cost me my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself at a friend's living room with a few other friends I didn't really these other guys I didn't really know. And one guy happened to be Paul Woida, who's like a local successful recording artist now. And he was just kind of starting out doing music. He hadn't even played his first show yet. And um, Paul came alongside me and, and he heard my story and thought it was like, first of all, I thought it was kind of crazy. He's like, this, this is like nuts. This kid like almost died and, mm. you know, all this stuff happened. And yeah, um, but something kind of clicked for him. And we, we went out for coffee a few days later and I just told him my passion. I'm like, you know, despite all these hard circumstances that have been going on, I just want to change the world. And I want to like, you know, I want to help as many people as I can on their own journeys. And I just want to inspire this generation to do something amazing with their lives. And, you know, to take the broken pieces and the mud that the enemy's thrown at us and that our own, you know, failures have thrown at us over time and just build a castle and like, you know, laugh at all the times that like we failed and, you know, that we felt like we didn't amount to something or you know, and be able to take gratitude in the times that we struggled, you know, and like be able to thrive through the struggle, even despite, you know, circumstances. So I started helping Paul with music videos for his um, loop covers on YouTube. And they started getting, you know, a couple hundred plays, a couple thousand plays, a couple hundred thousand plays. And then we started doing more and more of these things. And then he was able to quit his job and start doing music full time. Mm. And he kind of says to this day that I had an integral part of helping him in that journey. So we had a really cool conversation that I actually wrote in the end of the, the last chapter of my book where we were, um, we were both doing music kind of when we started at the same time. I was kind of pursuing my solo stuff. He was starting out and we'd play some shows together. So I booked us an out-of-town show in uh, Fort McMurray with a cousin's church. It was a grad, you know, a, a grad send-off thing and it was a party. So we were playing some music together. Then we had our own sets. And on the way there, he was just like, man, like, I just don't know if I can, if I have what it takes to do this you know, music career thing full time. Like, I don't know if I have like the, you know, determination or like, I don't know if I believe in myself enough to actually do this. Mm. And I was like, man, like in that moment, something just clicked for me. And I'm like, do you know what? Like just borrow my belief, Paul, like borrow my belief in your dreams. Because like, if you know, if you don't have enough strength to believe in yourself, just know that there's somebody out there who's got your back, who believes for you, who believes enough for both of us. Mm-hmm. So I, he just kind of ran at that. He was like, really? Like, just borrow your belief? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, just take it, man. I've got enough for both of us. <laughs> yeah. So that was really kind of a turning point, I think, in his mindset of what he was kind of going after. Yeah. And it was really cool to see him just after that, just kind of light up and start just going after it. And he, he quit his job teaching guitar lessons and drum lessons and stuff and started booking shows and going around and We've been on all kinds of crazy adventures the last couple of years and I've had his back through a lot of it and I've been able to make some cool videos along the way and see some cool recognition. And I mean, even this fall, just to give him a little plug, he's actually going to sell out the Windspear Center to do a show at the end of October, which is really dope. So if you guys are going to look for a sick show, there's another guy who's playing that show, Mike Ruby, who's a top 40 on the radio right now. He's an independent artist who's in the top 40. So I've got some friends who are doing some crazy stuff. That's crazy. And he's opening for Paul at the Windspear. Wow. I've been this guy, a rapper, local guy named Cabral is also opening. You probably heard of him. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to be like a dynamic trio of just like a smash of a show. But it's just kind of cool. I've just seen like how I think the vision for where I saw Paul going, the vision for what I... 
I'll just rephrase that. I think the vision for like what I saw Paul doing with his music and stuff was already like clear in my mind. Yeah. I just had to like excite him enough and encourage him enough to like actually, you know, go after it himself. Because I saw the end game. I'm like, man, like Paul's going to sell out, you know, arenas. He's going to sell Winspear centers all over and stuff. He just has to like believe enough to actually like, you know, put the deposit down to like get the venue and you yeah. know, to start like, you know, being vocal about his ambitions. Because I think a lot of people... A lot of people struggle and think that, like, you know, they have a big dream they want to pursue, mm-hmm. but they're not, like, willing. They think that it's dumb to, like, share about it and talk about it and be vocal about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they think that, like, they're going to fear. It's that fear of failure, you know? We're just like, well, what if I don't actually do it? But I think a lot of the time, like, like my book, I talked a lot, you know, early on. You probably saw some of my posts about, you know, I'm first draft into my book and I'm, I'm going to yeah. do this thing and stuff. And I was posting little photos and stuff, like, finish yeah. the last chapter. And um, through the process, it kind of kept me accountable to what I was going after. So it's kind of funny. Like, you think, like, I think if you tell enough people about what your dream is, like, the chances of it happening are a lot more significant and real. And it's, mm-hmm. it's becoming more real to you because you're, like, communicating with yourself and with people that you trust and care about you what your ambition is. You know, I think we need to, like, if we have an ambition we want to pursue, if we want to, you know, be a fashion designer, if you want to you know, be a politician, you know, if we want to get those pipelines built, you know, if we want to do that kind of stuff, you got to be like, Hey man, I want to see these pipelines built. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't know the next step, but like sooner along the way, you're going to find somebody, um, that's going to help you, you know, they're going to be like, Hey, I want to help, you know? And like, just Paul, just Paul sharing with me, like, I have this dream. I want to sell out arenas. I want to change the world with my music. You know, he just told me and I'm like, dude, I want to help you. So like, I think the big, it comes down to like, if you don't have a dream, worth fighting for for your own life like find somebody else who does and help them fight for their dream and the chances are you might find your own ambition along the way and you're going to find out you know what you know what you can call it what god made you to do or what you know you know the that eternal being made you to do or what you know what you were just made to do you're going to find that out and you're going to start changing the world and you're going to help somebody else in their ambition because they're going to ask you for advice Mm. and it's kind of this synergistic pool of like you know, creative people going after stuff and just kind of it's spreading organically. Like, you know, how I kind of helped. I started helping you a little bit with video stuff. And then now you're working for this awesome agency full time and killing it and doing the podcast. And like, I don't, I wouldn't have known. Like, what, what if I didn't tell podcast that, what if I didn't tell Paul, like, Hey man, I'm with you, bro. Like I'm with you. Hey, Oh, I'm with you. I want to help you out. I want to figure this out. So yeah, it's so important. I'll stop ranting there, but, uh, I don't know. Where I kind of swifted there. No, no, no. I want to. I want to kind of. I kind of want to take that, but take it in a in a little bit different direction because sure. I think people should really know what you've done. Like you've done a lot of creative work, and like you said before, is like when you decide to do something, you put one hundred and fifty percent into it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of creatives have that issue where they will start something and maybe a month or two months or three months passes and it's not where they thought it was going to be because Mm -hmm. the initial high of like starting something is is fun but then it kind of like levels off but with you i've noticed that when you've started something for example when you started your music thing you made an album right you made songs right you went and performed yeah you did it with paul then you know with filmmaking you started your own company you went and did many many different shoots right you 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 put both feet into the pool and 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 went 150 percent into it so Mm -hmm. um and now going into you know you're an author now you've made your own book right now you're going into speaking maybe give some uh advice or maybe perspective from your end um to the create creatives out there or people anyone Mm -hmm. who kind of wants to start um something creative like you said writing a blog or doing something uh, when they start it and how they can kind of maintain that momentum three months from now or like six months or eight months from now yeah maybe speak sure. a little bit about that totally yeah i think the big thing like and i think we can share our ambition in, in like various ways but i think the big thing for any entrepreneur is like we have like the power of social media and the power of that like accountability structure you know when we document things mm-hmm. it's just like be be insane about documenting your journey you know like even if you don't think your journey is significant like do do a Facebook live and be like, and just announce to the world, be like, guys, I'm like launching a business. You know, I'm going to go after, you know, I'm going to be a financial consultant. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the next, I'm going to paint something great. I've got this idea 
and I want some feedback on it. Like have, you know, if you're launching a business, for example, like nobody, you know, does like business launch parties anymore, you know, like go like for my book, I I had a launch party at the pirate ship at West Ed Mm. and I invited like everybody I could possibly think of in like a two week time span. And like half of them came, which still like packed out the ship like crazy. Like I think we had like, the capacity for the ship was like 40 people. And I think we had like 130 people on the ship oh, at one really? point. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like I'll send you the photo of the launch photo with all the people that were kind of there at the fir- the top of the first hour. That's amazing. And um, it was just cool because like people just kept coming and going. But a big mm-hmm. thing, like I guess the advice I'd give for my music or my book was that I was like crazy about documenting my journey and about like keeping people in the loop and like you know because i know the retention on like facebook posts isn't very great like i think it's you know one percent to two percent engagement on most posts unless you're doing like crazy work and engaging audiences and stuff totally and and if you're liking hundreds of posts you might get more engagement than that but i think really realizing that like um you need to step up as a leader because like creatives creatives in our field you know whether you're authors or bloggers or speakers or you know, painters or videographers or whatever, business owners, like we, uh, I think the world expects great things of us because we're actually, we have the ability, we have a vision and we have to go after it as being a leader. So, um, and leaders are learners too. So I mean, you learn and copy the greats. I, a great book for anybody to check out. One of my mentors personally who endorsed my book, his name is Jeff Goins. And he wrote a book called Real Artists Don't Starve. And it's all about breaking down that mentality and that mindset of like the starving artists, you know, like mm. I'm going to be, if I go after my dream, you know, and drop out of school and be an artist, I'm going to always like be suffering and be in poverty and stuff. So it's kind of breaking down the mentality and creating the new paradigm of like, you know, the thriving artist thinks like this, you know, like the thriving artist copies the greats and makes it their own but the starving artist tries to be an original you know and like there's nothing new under the sun you know like we can't we can't be completely original we're always drawing inspiration and drawing creativity from something so we might as well do it really well you know Mm. like even quentin tarantino says like one of the he's a filmmaker who did like kill bill and all those movies he says that like you know if you're not if you're not copying like the greats if you're not copying and like you know reproducing what's already been done then you're like kind of a fraud or you're not really like you know mm. you're not really a great artist you're yeah. actually just like an amateur you know mm. an amateur and an amateur is somebody who loves what they do yeah. but like being a professional is like you know professionally like stealing ripping off people's work not ripping it off but like seeing like this was well this was well done before like led zeppelin copied the blues you know the blues musicians from like the 1950s and stuff in the 40s or whatever and they just like legit ripped off licks and ripped off like different chord progressions and stuff of those bands because they were well known and popular but then their first album sold like how many million copies because it was something that was already done before but just had its own flavor to it like it wasn't the same thing but it was an updated version of what's already been done. Gotcha. So therefore they like copied the greats yeah. and found success because they were just taking what was been done and adding to it. So like, don't feel that like your idea has to be like the most original thing ever. It could just be building on something that's already been good, but mm-hmm. wasn't great. You know, maybe it was great, but it wasn't like amazing or it wasn't done in your language or in your culture before or whatever. Right. So maybe there's a way that like you can document first what, what your ambition is, what you're planning to do. Mm. Tell everybody about it. And like in those baby steps, like maybe do a little update on, like do a Facebook post or a little update on Instagram. Like Instagram stories is great because you can just, you don't have to like upload anything. You just film it and it's there. And you know, if people, if you don't like what you posted, it's gone in 24 hours anyways, right? So just do that and get comfortable in front of the camera, get comfortable in front of a microphone, get comfortable in front of people and uh, just put yourself out there. and. And um, have look for a mentor, somebody who's done what you want to do, or in a similar area. Yeah. So how crucial is that? How crucial yeah, it's so crucial. Of- it's so crucial. Um, yeah, like finding a mentor. I guess like I didn't have a mentor for music because I, I, I knew I didn't want to be like a performing artist like as a career necessarily. Like maybe someday, but that's not like what my focus was. I just loved writing, and I found that like songwriting and lyric writing and like communicating ideas through words was my big strength and I had to capitalize on that and I remember even Paul comes up to me and he's like dude your lyrics are like crazy like they're so good Mm. and uh, like my music wasn't great like I wasn't great at guitar I wasn't amazing at singing I mean actually I just posted this morning I have like a Johnny Cash voice so I can literally like 
mimic any Johnny Cash song, like with nice. like 90% accuracy. Yeah. So maybe I should just be in Vegas and be a Johnny Cash cover <laughs> band. But yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but the importance of having a mentor, like, or having a close friend who's like killing it, right? Like, yeah. for example, like Paul, you know, has been a mentor to me a little bit, but we've kind of just been in this friendship where we're just giving and taking and giving and giving this kind of back and forth, Got you. Yeah, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. good to have like those friends who are, pursuing like great things they don't have to be pursuing the same thing but having friends that are also like hustling after stuff like you're hustling after you know your podcast and your video production so i have a friend who is helping this artist mike ruby named anthony who is a uh, artist manager he manages martin kerr in the town in city he manages martin kerr here in town as well as this mike ruby fellow from toronto and he's just killing it like traveling and writing hundreds of emails a day of being an artist manager and just figuring out what that looks like right with the hope that one day it's going to pay off and dividends you know for all of his hard work totally and just having those friends who you meet with regularly who you can like stay accountable to what your dream is and what you're working on yeah because i find like if you have friends that just like are like how's it going man then like you know, you're just like, oh, good. And that's all you're talking about. Like you're talking about what movies are in theaters, what you're watching on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Stranger Things 3, I'd recommend it. But like, don't watch, don't binge watch shows on Netflix. But like, yeah. that's my one guilty pleasure. <laughs> but um, yeah, the big thing is like having mentors, you know, having somebody you look up to. You don't have to like, you know, you don't have to like say if you look up to, you know, Michael Bay and you love Transformers movies, you, you're probably not going to be able to be like directly mentored by him, but you can devour all of the content that he's put out. You know, you can go to like, you know, somebody's YouTube channel and devour all of their information. There's so many good tutorial sites for video. So like find, you know, first of all, do your best to find all the free stuff that's online. You know, that's going to help you in your quest, you know, finding yeah. that free stuff. And then if you haven't found like, if it hasn't clicked for you there, there's great resources, you know, lots of, teachable courses on what you want to do in video or in, in art in like film editing or writing or whatever like I I first checked out a Jeff Cohen's writing course and then I was starting to I wanted to be mentored by him right so I started like tagging him in, in Instagram posts and I'd be like oh this is a great quote from Jeff Cohen's and I'd tag him in it nice. and he started like he started harding it and stuff on Instagram nice and then after a few weeks or months, he actually messaged me on Instagram. What? And um, he's like, hey, dude, what are you doing in January? And I'm like, oh, dude, like, I don't know. Like, I'm free. Yeah. <laughs> and always t- always say you're free. Like, if you if one of your <laughs> wannabe mentors yeah. reaches out to you, just say you're free and go figure it out. You know, yeah. if it costs too much, just, you know, have your friends fund you to go <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, like, he invited me to a two-day writing intensive workshop. It was more of like a boot camp for best-selling authors and stuff. And, um, or to write a bestseller. It was in Nashville in this, this past January. So I went to that and I didn't have the money to go. So a few friends pitched in some money to see me go to it, which was dope. But like, it comes back to sharing your ambition. Be like, guys, I had this crazy opportunity and I really want to go, but I can't afford to go. So like, pe- chances are there's people in your sphere that want to help you run that, you know, that want to help you launch that business. Maybe you can start a limited partnership with somebody and they'll front you some cash to start your project, to start your startup or whatever, right? Mm. And I just find like the, the resources are limitless, guys. Like the resources are out there to do everything that you want to do. Yeah. It's just a matter of like being vocal about it. And so few people are actually, you know, consciously vocal about their ambitions and about what they're working on. Yeah. It's just kind of like, and we wonder why we feel so isolated and so alone. Mm. But the real reality is that like, we're not telling people, we're not sharing, people want to engage your story. That's the real reason that social media exists is like telling a good story and having people engage with it, right? Mm. That's why it's so addicting. You'd be like, what's somebody, what's so-and-so up to? What are they doing? Oh, they're getting engaged. Oh, they're on a date. Oh, they're like, you know, they bought a new shirt. Oh, they're binge watching Netflix. You know, like we, we know so much about people, but we want to know their stories, right? We don't want to just know information. Mm. So I think if you can tell a better story through social media with what you're hustling on and just work, what you're working towards, people are going to like be like, that's dope, man. Like mm. Justin's writing a book. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And then they're going to follow you on that journey as long as you keep them in the loop. Yeah. You know, you got to keep that update going. And, yeah. and then they're going to, and then when you launch and they're like, 
hey, like meet at the pirate ship, you know, at 2 p.m. at the mall next Saturday. They're going to be like, frick yeah, man. Like mm-hmm. this is, I feel like I'm part of this thing. Like, I feel like I'm part of Justin's journey and I want to support him and I want to buy his book and I want to tell everybody I know about it because I feel like I'm part of his story. And people just want to be, you know, a part of a better story. So if you can be a storyteller with what you're communicating, with what your vision is for your life, then people are going to like come in droves to like support you. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you you touched on a good point because a lot of people when they start, and this is, this is one thing is, is, is separating the thing that they like versus how much engagement they get on social media. Right. Because Mm -hmm. when they start, obviously when, when I started in, in, in doing music and doing, doing the creative stuff, I obviously wanted my first videos to, to, to do as best they can online. Right. Because that would give me the, the, the confidence and saying, okay, maybe I'm on the right path here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, when they start something, they get that initial peak of, of, oh man, that's amazing that you're doing this. And then three months later, they're doing the same thing, but now people are already kind of used to what they're doing. Yeah. And so um, they're not getting that high of likes and follows and, 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 and that engagement that they wanted. And then they kind of lose that motivation and they hop onto something else or they, they just kind of be like, oh, well, this isn't for me. The creative route isn't for me. Yeah. But with you, it's been different because when you've started something, you've you've kind of seen it to the to the to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of want to get into the book now because yeah. uh, this is your most recent project. This is your baby. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about it and tell me kind of the inspirations behind the book and mm-hmm. kind of the process of you writing it. Yeah. And kind of where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so one of my biggest inspirations for writing has been this author named Bob Goff. And he's like, if you go, you don't know who he is, like check out his stuff. He's like the craziest dude you will ever hear about. Like the guy's got like more stories of crazy adventures than like anybody alive. But I, um, I was in Africa a few years ago on a missions trip and I was like bumbling through on this bus through like the desert and through like the Rift Valley. And I was like, glued to this book while my friends were like looking at zebras and stuff. And they're like, dude, check this out. Check out this mountain. I was like glued to this book called... A million miles in a thousand years and I heard about this like, character named Bob in this book and I'm like dude this guy is insane like this guy's like he took his like kids on a vacation around the world and pulled them out of school to like meet like dozens of world leaders and ask them what they hope for and like what they what they want the world to look like and stuff and like crazy stuff so I was like this guy's got to write a book so when he did write a book his first book called love does I just went crazy and I actually I invented a new hug I was so stoked that he wrote a book so I can show you it later. Yeah. <laughs> Sending the video link, but it's not inappropriate. It's just like yeah. you basically just link arms and you both just like go like that. It's great. But <laughs> it's like yeah. a penguin hug yeah, yeah, around the world. Anyways. Um, yeah. I just like when I, when I read the first chapter of his book, I'm like, I'm wired like this guy. Like I'm not mm. as crazy as he is, but I want to be like crazy like this guy is. And yeah. so ambitious about my childlike faith and, you yeah. know, take the context of my story <laughs> And just like change the world in you know small and you know meaningful ways. So when I read his book, I'm like, I've got to like, I first of all got to tell a better story with my life because I've kind of felt like I've been settling a little bit. I haven't been like being as much of a risk taker as I should be and stuff, and I haven't been risking you know like asking that girl out and all and you know helping that friend on that adventure and seeing things through and all that kind of thing. So like six years ago when I read Love Does, I was like, dude, I've, first of all before I read a book, I've got to like do something worth writing about and reminisce about my life and my childhood. So this book is a, it's 16 stories from my life throughout my childhood and adolescent years that really kind of, you know, caused, well, remembrance in my mind as an adult, you know, that were very like sticky stories that, you know, caused me to remember and reflect on my life. But they also have a lot of, they taught me to learn and grow in in different ways, whether it was getting over my dad, leaving my family in junior high for a few years and, well, my parents were separated and just stuff like that. And, you know, get having my first tree fort get torn down by my neighbor and just like hating swimming lessons because I didn't know how to breathe out underwater and just like the funny, weird stuff that like people like go through in life, but they don't like, you know, they don't really remember it because they have grown up too fast and they become adults and they're, you know, they have that grown up mentality now that they're part of the grown up system and that, you know, being childlike is just a season of life that we just kind of push into the sidelines. But I really kind of had this belief that the 
childlike qualities that we carried as kids, not the childish qualities like whining and complaining and stuff and being like, feed me, but the childlike qualities of like wonder and like curiosity and faith and hope and belief and just the capacity to be creative and use our imaginations and all those wonderful childlike qualities have kind of gotten like beat out of us as we grow up through elementary school and junior high and high school and get jobs and get credit cards and get, you know, we get start dating and we get, you know, our first, you know, speeding ticket in the mail and all those kind of things like the system of like the adult, the grown up world, the grown up kind of have American dream, what you might call it. It's yeah. kind of like it kind of kicks the childlike wonder out of us. But I think like the whole reason that happens is because the people that stay childlike are the ones that change the world. You know, like the Bob Goffs and the, you know, the the Bob Dylans and all these guys who are just like these amazing you know, creatives, like the people that's, that keep that creativity alive are the ones that have the capacity to like change the lives of those around them. And, and there's this cool quote by Bernard Shaw, I believe, who says that we don't grow older because, how does it go? I'm trying to think. Of, I was reading with Jared in the office a little while ago. Uh, we don't grow older because we, we stop. I'll have to pause for a second. Oh, yeah. So this quote by Bernardo Shaw says, we don't stop playing because we grow older. We grow older because we stop playing, mm. you know, and that capacity just to have playfulness in our lives. So I went through all the moments in my life growing up that caused me to kind of, you know, that caused me to kind of lose sight of that childlike wonder and stuff. And I had kind of that choice to make where am I going to like kind of live in bitterness or live in resentment or live in fear or live in rejection and stuff like that? Or am I going to like move on from it? So I kind of felt like it was a healing kind of a spiritual healing for me where I had a few weeks, you know, a lull in my business when I had, didn't have any video projects coming up a few years ago in 2017 in January. And I just like felt like I was like, I'm just going to like write down everything I ever remember from my childhood and just see like what sticks and what, why does it stick? You know, why does it resonate with me? And maybe it'll resonate with friends and family too. So I wrote down like every story that I could ever think of in like vivid detail from my childhood and then I'm like, these are kind of funny stories and stuff. And and I wrote it kind of from a kid's perspective in a fun way. And then I had all this revelation and kind of wisdom upon those stories and kind of like the lessons that I've learned now looking back. Because I think we can, we, get, we can get so caught up in, you know, just looking, you know, to the future and being future oriented. And that causes a lot of worry and anxiety, right? So for adults. But I think if we're able to like learn from our past, it, it makes a lot more sense to learn about the person we're becoming too. So I wanted my stories to kind of be relatable and funny, which they are. And I wanted people to read them and be like, oh man, like I didn't go through the exact same situation that Justin went through, but like I can laugh at this and like reminisce about my own childhood in ways that like I lost sight of who I really was. Because I think that kid at like 10 years old or that kid at eight years old was the kid that we really want to be our whole lives. Like we want to, we want to have the playfulness and the curiosity and the wonder of that 10 year old boy or that girl self. And then we want to take the wisdom of our 10 year older self now and kind of combine that together. And that's who we should become. You know, that's who we should be thriving to be like. But I think we're too busy trying to be like everybody else. We're trying, we're, we're trying to resemble other grownups. But like, what if we are never meant to grow up in the common sense? Like, yes, we're meant to grow older and we're meant to become adults and have gray hair and have like armpit hair and like get, you know, our shoe sizes go bigger. We have to pay taxes and stuff. But like, what if the whole like, what if the big crock of being a grown up and like, you know, shooting after our retirement and like having that as our main focus? Like, what if we're missing out on the treasure and the beauty and wonder of being a creative person with like an imagination? Like the imagination is like the most amazing mental faculty and like we lost sight of so much of that as a species you know and like mm. i think we, we let hollywood and a lot of those you know netflix things and music like do the imagining for us and we're not like actually thinking about like what we want out of life we're just we're not even thinking at all we're just kind of like living in this limbo state of being a grown-up zombie you know so yeah, it's yeah. kind of like I want to take people back to those moments where they imagined what they wanted their life to look like. You know, when they wanted to be a kid, they're like, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. I want to be a dancer. I want to be an astronaut. And maybe they still want to do those things, you know? But like the thing is, I think the lie that kids believe that adults impose on them is like, when I grow up, I'm going to do this. But the reality is when you grow up, you're not going to do that crap at all, <laughs> you know? Because mm. the very notion of growing up is like laying aside your childlike dreams and ambitions. 
So it's kind of like when I when I was a kid, my parents got me this old MacBook, this Mac computer, this giant desktop like box, like Macintosh with like Netscape Navigator and all that, yeah. Claris Works and all that stuff. Yeah. And I remember reading. You know, I read tons of books when I was a kid, and that was kind of my main thing was just reading tons of novels and books. and And there was this great summer reading game at my at my school or at, at, at um, the local library. You probably check that out a few times in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they'd give you points, and you get to do this little game if you read books. So I'd read like I'd go through the game like three times in one summer just to like go to every single station. Yeah, and, I actually remember that. Yeah, yeah. the St. Albert Library. St. Albert right? Library. Yeah. 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 So I just loved reading, and I yeah. and reading kind of took me to another world where I didn't have to experience pain and you know, the hardships of my mom being like bedridden most of my childhood and my parents fighting and stuff. Right. So, um, and then when I was a kid, I started writing on this computer and I'm like, Hey, well, this guy wrote a book like CS Lewis wrote Narnia. I can write my own fantasy series and kill it and stuff. So I, I started writing when I was like five, just like hundreds and dozens of pages. And, um, I don't know what happened to my Elgon's adventure series, but it's somewhere I printed it off and it's somewhere in some storage cabinet. But the ambition that I had as a kid is I wanted to be an author. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to do this thing. So I guess for me to like reminisce about my childhood and see like, what was I like? What were those like, what were those pieces of like remembrance that I've got to get back to? Like, what were those things that those ambitions that I had as a kid that maybe I can still have time to like pursue now? So that I kind of, it was kind of synergistic where I was writing down stuff that I learned. And then I'm like, oh yeah, the story about being creative, wanting to be an author. I'm like, well, I should just write a book. I should just go after that. And maybe I'll just make this my book. Maybe I'll just tell a bunch of crazy stories mm. and then have really practical life lessons and stuff for people to engage their childlike faith again and their childlike wonder again. So the whole catch line is recapturing childlike wonder in a crazy messed up adult world. And um, yeah, that was kind of it. And the, and the first thing I did was share my ambition. So my friend Laura was uh, just a close friend of mine from church I was getting to know. And I happened just to email her the first chapter or two was that while I was writing. And then a few days later, I sent her a few more rough drafts. And then she's laughing and messaging me back being like, this is so funny. This is great. But there's yeah. a spelling error here. And that was kind of the first thing was like, it was so early on for me. Like I literally just wrote maybe like 50 pages or I had like 10,000 words and I had a couple rough drafts. I had like 10 or 12 rough drafted like stories chapters and kind of the first draft of a book is you're just telling yourself the story that you remember, right? You're not like polishing it off. You're just kind of in a memoir. You're just kind of writing out what you remember. So um, I would just send her like the first drafts and and I sent it to a few other people too who gave me feedback, but kind of that first stab of like sharing my ambition and sharing that dream kind of caused me to snowball into like I'm going to do this thing. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to freaking write a book. Yeah. So then like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of started early on. I started making Facebook posts and Instagram posts and telling you, telling people about it. And then, you know, two years later, after all the like craziness of the editing process and getting my work like torn apart, and built back together and stuff and yeah. going through two editors and the first one doing not a very good job. And the second one kicking my butt to do a really good job. Um, mm-hmm. It was just like, the hardest thing I've ever done, but like the yeah. funnest, the most rewarding thing I've ever done and having friends encouraging me along the way was just like amazing. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Man. I, I really, everything you just said there, I really resonate with because especially the whole thing of, um, keeping like your childlike dreams alive, because honestly, the things that I've done since when I was 15 years old, I kind of carry that today. And kind of starting the podcast, doing the music, doing the videos, being creative. It, it, it all started from a very young age, but it, now it's manifested into reality. Now mm. that I'm an adult, I'm able to take those take those things that I wanted to do when I was a kid and actually do it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people fall into uh, the fear. Um, a lot of people fall into the society. They get busy, like with their relationships. They mm-hmm. they fall into that. They fall into that trap of you know, the nine to five and, and what, what, whatever the case. So mm-hmm. maybe how have you balanced both, you know, living as a proper adult mm-hmm. and still being able to do um, your creative routes? Because honestly, writing a book is freaking hard. I'm sure it took a lot of effort on, it took a lot of, it took you years to do. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of rough, like you said, a lot of rough drafts, a lot of getting it torn apart, putting it back together. Yeah. And I, I understand that from uh, other industries, like, you know, being in the video industry, uh, trying to make it in the video industry, especially here in mm-hmm. Edmonton, is, is very difficult. It's very competitive. There's not really much opportunities such as like bigger cities. So maybe speak on how you've balanced, you know, surviving, you know, mm-hmm. living in an, as an a- adult and, and still being able to do the things that you wanted to do with the book. And, or even with uh, the other stuff that you, you've been doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, during the process of writing my book, I kind of, I dialed back my video company, Intrinsic Media, like a little bit. And I kind of, I had a, a, a full-time editor who was helping me a lot. So I would just like, a lot of the time, my focus was working on the book. So I'm like, I'm going to get this done. I don't know if it's going to be profitable or not, but I'm like, I just need to like hustle on this thing. So so my uh, my friend that I was working with me at the time, um, I would just delegate lots of the editing to him. So I, I really kind of, you know, if you've got an ambition that you're going after and you have the ability to delegate some of the work away, like if you've got your own company or something, then, you know, find a VA assistant, virtual assistant, you know, find somebody who can help you writing emails or, you know, with budgeting or bookkeeping and stuff and just kind of delegate away all the stuff that normally just eats up time that like you don't need to be doing and just be willing to pay somebody a little bit extra to like do that. Yeah. Or if you're like, you know, or if your full-time job is like just, you know, tiring you out. Like I was in construction for a while when I was kind of, before I was transitioning in back into video and while I was in film school, I was like doing construction and stuff and doing plumbing. And, um, and at the time I was sharing my ambition with all the guys on site and they're like, why are you here? Like, why are you doing, why are you <laughs> yeah, doing plumbing? What are you this doing is not, you're yeah. not one of us kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah so what I'd recommend is like you know there's so many jobs out there but like even stuff that you can like do online and learning skills and stuff or like even like having a side hustle like you know network marketing or something that you can make some part-time income mm. that can help fill the need of having like a full-time job because what I did I got a, a contract for a, a job at a church in Edmonton doing their video production for 25 hours a week so I've been doing that for two years and it was it was great timing for me because I was looking for extra income while I was writing my book and I wanted to scale back my company for a while. So then I wanted this more free time to work on my book. So I, uh, I took on the church job, which was pretty flexible. I could make kind of my own hours and it was only 25 hours a week and I could survive on that money too. Well, while in the meantime, I could put a lot of extra time into my book and say, mm-hmm. if I had a break at work and I had like a lull, I could be like, Hey, well, I'm dedicating this hour at lunch to working on this project when nice. I like the you know, when I'm feeling like when I get like an inspiration mode, I can just jump into it. Cause like having a job like construction, you can't just stop what you're doing and like be like, I'm just going to write for half an hour. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. You're just going to get like beat up. <laughs> totally, so totally. it's just kind of having, you know, I was, I was blessed to be able to have a creative role where I have like a little bit of creative freedom and I can just kind of manage my own schedule. So having that flexibility, like maybe there's a waitering job out there that pays pretty good, but it's only going to eat up 15 or 20 hours a week. And the tips will kind of make up for the full-time job that you had. So maybe, you know, just kind of some flexibility and um, find a job that maybe isn't full-time, like maybe 32 hours a week, maybe 20 hours a week. And then figure out what you can do, you know, if you're a creative, like maybe that creative job that you work on doing video or doing music, maybe you have those two gigs a week where, where it kind of fills in the blanks for you. You're not having to work a full-time job, but like, you have a bit of like, I need variety in my life. You know, I can't just, you know, be doing one thing. I can't be just be doing video or writing all day long. I need to mix it up. So I'll try to do, you know, like six or eight hours of video some days, like two days a week. And then I'll do, you know, blogging twice a week. I'll be doing, you know, podcast, I'll be on two podcast shows a week. I just like having that balance and having that, you know, that variety is so important to me. And I think Mm. it's healthy for most people. It's kind of like when you're a kid, Play looked a lot like, you know, you call up your friend Troy, you hang out for three hours, you trade Pokemon cards. Okay, peace out, bro. Now have dinner and then I'm going to like read for an hour. Yeah. And play some video games. I'm going to mix yeah. it up. Like, I think the unhealthy method, like the ADHD of what like grownups say it is, isn't what actually what it is. Like, I think kids and like the childlike mind, which is what we should really attribute to and what we should try to be like is more engaged in like flexibility and, and is not so limited by like the eight hour clock, you know, I think mm. the eight hour clock, the eight hour 40, 40, 40 work day is kind of a curse, you know, it's kind of like, mm. it's not something I like love. So I, I just found a way that like, you know, I found a part-time job that, you know, filled that a little bit of a need for creativity in my life and, you know, had some cool people I got to work with. And then 
I made my side hustle of my video company just kind of fill in the blanks for the extra income I wanted to you know, have to save or to, you know, pay extra bills and stuff. But, you know, I think there it's possible to find a part-time job that can pay for your, you know, for mm. your, you know, can cover your living costs and expenses. For for those who, who aren't, for those who aren't creative, mm-hmm. how important it is to be creative. Yeah. If they want, I know there's somebody out there, especially in our audience who, totally. who who's an accountant or who's, who, who does some sort of, uh, a job, some sort yeah. of corporate job, and they hate their life, and yeah. they want they want a creative outlet, or they want some sort of outlet that they can start on their own, and they don't know what what to do. So, yeah. uh, if you were them, or mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give someone like that who wants to start something, they can't leave their job, they don't know the direction of what they want to start, they don't yeah. know if they want to start a blog or a business or uh, a book or whatnot. What would you say to a person like that? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think it's a lie that we believe that like we're not all creative. Like I think we all are. And maybe it's a matter of going back to like, you know, just taking an afternoon or having like a, a weekend retreat somewhere. Like just go go to some like summer camp and get like a get a house with your wife or, you know, your girlfriend or whatever by yourself and just like take a notebook and take, you know, some family photos, you know, when you grew up and you had like a, a photo album from when you're a kid. And maybe a few books from when you're a kid that you read and stuff and whatever. But like, just take a take a day to think, and just to reminisce, even for two hours, about like who was that person that you wanted to become when you were a kid. You know, like it's it might be kind of hard. You have to push back the mask and the corruption of the grown up mindset. You know, we have to kind of dig through all the tunnels and the crevices and the chain locked doors because a lot of the time we experience trauma as kids and we try to lock in those memories along with the good memories, right? So we got to break into those places and, you know, and cut the locks and, you know, so like take that time you need, like take an afternoon and be like, hmm, like I think a lot of people don't just like take time to think, you Mm. know, we don't take time to like, we think we're thinking, but we're actually just like worrying and we're misusing our imagination. And to say we don't have an imagination is like a is a fallacy because we all use our imagination for the wrong ends a lot of the time. Like we're misusing it and fear and worry is like the greatest misuse of our imaginations, you know? So I like, you know, just take some time to reflect and maybe even, maybe even going to a professional counselor, not because you need help, but because like we all need help in some capacity, but like finding somebody, like if you don't have a friend that you can talk to or somebody you can connect with, like make an intentional time to be intentional with you and like take some like me time and like reminisce like go to a go to a counselor just for the sake of having somebody who's going to listen and not judge you right because your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend or your kids or whatever your roommate they might kind of judge you and like prejudge you be like man you're an accountant that's all you can ever do you know Mm. but if if you find somebody who's unbiased who's like a professional counselor or something like just yeah, like maybe you've got coverage. Like spend the hundred bucks on the session. It might change your life. Like just spend two hours with somebody who cares about you, who wants to like hear your story. And maybe you can just find a friend who you can trust and be like, hey man, can I just like tell you about my childhood? Because like I had some messed up stuff happen to me and I want to just process through that, you know? Because I think a lot of the time our greatest dream or our greatest ambition as a kid comes in line with like our greatest fear or our greatest, you know, you know, abuse or tragedy or whatever. Like there's like that scar, that wound we all have as a kid that like never got to heal. So like find somebody, get help. And like the big thing too is be insanely curious. Like kids are so curious about the world, about the bugs behind the rock and all that kind of stuff. And adults just aren't that curious. Like we think we're being curious when we're scrolling, you know, social media, but we're actually just trying to waste time and like burn time. And it's kind of almost like a, it's like in a response, you know, it's just like, we're scrolling. We're not actually thinking or like processing information. Totally. We're just like, we have a habit to like look at the screen and scroll stuff and not use our brains. So I think what we need to do is like be curious about like creativity, be curious about Bitcoin or I'm curious about Bitcoin. I don't know. Just like find interesting things and concepts and things that you want to look into, like lots of books, you know, go to the library. Like when is the last time anybody's gone to the local mm. library? Like get a library card. And even if you don't like reading, like find you'll find something that you'll like reading about and like learning about. And it might take you a few days, but like I think the big thing is like we don't make enough time to like love ourselves and to like make time for us. 
and I guess sounds so selfish, like I need some me time. But like, yeah. you know, for this, this wouldn't happen if I didn't have some me time. And mm-hmm. I needed two weeks, you know, like I needed a lot of me time to write a book. But like, you know, it depends what you want to do. Like if you want, if you want to think up or dream up something special, you might need a couple hours or a couple days to do it. So like, just take a break from mm-hmm. being a grown up. you know, like maybe you can just, you know, take a vacation day, take a sick day, take a, tell your boss you need a me day, like a mental health day. And, um, one of the healthiest things we can do is just like reflect, you know, mm. like look on your life, be like, what have I done so far? Like, I think a lot of the time we're so hard on ourselves and we feel like we haven't done anything. We were just like, like, I'm so hard on myself. Like I'll be on a plane and whenever I'm flying like somewhere, I'm just like, I'll write down a list of all the things I've done this year or the last five years. And I'm like, holy crap, I've done a lot. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, even yeah. like when you said that earlier on in the show. I was like, I haven't really done anything, but like as we start talking, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, find a friend like Omid. If you don't know Omid, find call him up. You know, <laughs> call me up anytime. You know, guys. talk about your life, and like chances are there'll be like little there'll be little signposts of things that'll kind of pop into your head, and you need to write those things down. Be like, oh, like I talked about, yeah, when I was in high school, I actually you know volunteered with this club and photography, and I actually kind of like photography. Well. Maybe I should tell a friend like, "Hey, I, I want to get back into photography. Like, where do I get a camera?" Well, YouTube it, dummy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. stuff like that is just like we need to be curious about the right stuff. Like, you know, turn off your phone. Like, I bet you, for that hour and a half that we spend like on our phone in a day, yeah. we could spend an extra ten minutes in the morning like being quiet. You know, practicing stillness. I try to like avoid. And I'm still learning like to like take off my not be on my phone first thing in the morning. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that, right? Yeah. But if we take that first five minutes and just practice like stillness, you know, not even prayer necessarily or meditation, but just being still and just being knowing that like, you know, what we want is going to come to us if we just like, you know, think about it, you know, if we actually just focus on what we want and not on like all the worries and all the anxieties of like day to day life, because we, we focus so much on the things we don't want. It just keeps coming a reality, you know, mm-hmm. and like. Even this cool quote from the Bible says, like, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is here, so he becomes, right? So it's like, as we think in our thoughts, and, you know, like if we're constantly being negative and constantly processing, like, oh, I'm only ever going to be an accountant, I'm only ever going to be, I'm only ever going to work a nine to five, the chances are, you're, like, your subconscious mind is going to work overtime to ensure that that's your reality, mm. you know? So it's like, totally. we have to be so careful with our words. So mm. one thing I recommend doing is, like, you know, like what are the beliefs that you don't currently believe right now, but you yeah. want to believe about yourself? Like you want to believe that you've got the ability to be, you know, a best-selling author. You've got the ability inside of you. It's all in there, but like it has to get drawn out. So one of the things I started doing, which I highly recommend, is I I started doing affirmations, but not in like a way of like just reading it out. But I actually I did an audio recording of my own voice, and I wrote down like all these things. You know, like in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and a positive way, you know, I'm now succeeding in my business and stuff. And like my life is full of rich, loving relationships, romance and exciting adventures and stuff like that. Just things that I actually want, but I don't have yet. You know, I'm Mm. like, these are things that I'm after, but I don't have these things yet. And it's okay. It's okay to want things you don't currently have. Like what do kids do? They're like, daddy, I want a new bike. (laughs) And they just trust that their dad's going to get them the bike. They don't know how it's going to happen. They don't have the money for it, but like somehow that bike you know you know they, they imagine it they, yeah. they they're vocal about it and then they get it mm. it's crazy like it's weird but like why why have he, why have adults and grown-ups you know stopped dreaming or stopped having desires like i think we literally stopped desiring things which is so crazy and i found out that i was doing that i'm like i don't actually have any desires i just like i just focus on the negative a lot of the time so mm. if we can, can transition our thinking so like focusing on what we actually want and we have to take time for that. We have to be like real and be like, hey, like what, what do I actually want out of life? Like, do mm. I want the stress? How do I, yeah. how do I like change my thinking? So I actually start focusing my thoughts on things that actually bring me meaning and bring me value. Like, you know, like life doesn't have to be a grind. And I, totally. I, I decided to like break, break with that like mindset of thinking that like life has to be so difficult and like it has to be a grind all the time. Like, what if it's going to be, what if it can be easy and relaxed like a kid and you can just like have fun, mm. you know? Like, so I started training my thinking through this listening thing and I spend a lot of time driving. So I listen to myself with like ep- epic music in the background, repeating these like statements to myself in an affirmation. And like, 
after weeks and weeks, like hours of doing this thing, I think I'm slowly kind of shifting my thinking and my awareness about what I actually want my beliefs to become, you know, because it's like, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, you know? So a lot of the time we have to change, you know, who we are. We have to change our beliefs. And then suddenly the world around us starts changing. So yeah, one of the challenges I would say is just, you know, be real about what you actually want and write it down and be vocal about it to yourself, most importantly, mm. and make it like, you know, affirm yourself. Like we're so hard on ourselves as adults and grownups. Mm. We need to be like, like, give yourself a break, you know, like you're actually doing better than you think. And things are only going to get better day by day. So just start like being like real, man. Like maybe you have to look to a book of wisdom, like the Bible for like some of that terminology for like an affirmation or look to guys like Bob Proctor who you know, kill it with like the mental game and stuff. And like, just find those mentors who can help you put the words to what you're trying to say. And then like be vocal about it to yourself too. Mm. Cause that really goes a long way. No, that's, that's awesome. And no, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't uh, take that time because we're so on the go all the time. Um, so that's a very good piece of advice. You know, just take that time to, just sit and do nothing for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or grab a notebook and, and just go somewhere and mm. just be by yourself. Have coffee with yourself. You Have know? coffee with yourself. Find a really close friend that you can share ideas with and, and see what that turns into. Um, and then, yeah, no, everything that you said was, was was amazing. I think a lot of people will take value in what you just said because mm -hmm. we don't do those things and we, we, we tend to think we don't have time. We don't have time. We're always on the go, go, go. So... Um, no, that's great. Uh, Justin, where can people find you and where can people find the book yeah. um, if they if they want to get a hold of it? Yeah, for sure. So it's on Amazon Prime in Canada, US and all over. So if they go to thechildlikeheist.ca or .com, they can find my main site and then click the link to buy it. It's on hard copy, Kindle. It'll be on Audible in like a few weeks, probably a week or so. Um, and then they can go to follow me on Instagram. My my tag is at Justin Two Writing, and then my website for my blog is out, is also Justin Two Writing .com. And you can search me out on Facebook. I've got a author Facebook page. It's Justin Wiesinger. Um, I think it's slash Facebook slash Justin Two Writing is my Facebook page too. So awesome. We'll have yeah. all of that in the in the links in the descriptions below. Cool, Justin man. Thank you, thanks, bro. I appreciate you Pleasure. coming on the second floor. It's been awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.